0: Joyce Tapley, as a CEO of a multi-million-dollar healthcare center, is a proven thought leader on matters of public health. We created this podcast because it's time for a real discussion about the state of healthcare in our nation. Welcome to a new
1: episode of Healthcare Chat with Joyce Tapley. Welcome to another episode of Healthcare Chat with Joyce Tapley. I am your host, Joyce Tapley, and I am extremely excited about today's guest. This is someone I've known for almost a quarter of a century. And every time I see him, I say, Joe Powell, Joe Powell. He is my guest today. He is a licensed chemical dependency counselor, and he is the owner of APA. And we're going to talk a lot about this particular subject because it is something that has been prevalent throughout the United States. Uh, Addiction, behavioral health, mental health issues, all of those things are impacting our families and people that we may know. These are interesting times in which we live, and the stressors on all of us are making the life difficult in a way that we never would have imagined. Our guest, Mr. Joe Powell, understands just how difficult the journey can be. He is the founder of an organization here based in Dallas, and it is something that is very much needed in the Southern sector as well, even though I know he receives and has patients from all over the Metroplex. Now, like I said a little bit earlier, I've known Joe Powell for almost a quarter of a century. He was one of the first people I met when I came to Dallas, and he welcomed me with open arms. So now I am welcoming you, Mr. Joe Powell, my friend and my colleague. Welcome.
2: Thank you. Thank you, Joyce. Great to be here.
1: I am so excited about what we're going to talk about today. I wanted to start by asking you to tell us about the state of addiction uh, throughout the United States. It's something that maybe not a lot of people are aware of, but I know that you can bring some good factual information as well as some stories to share with us. So how is it, what's going on with addiction in the United States as you see it, and even in Dallas?
2: Right. Well, well, knowing that, first of all, the uh, Let me introduce myself. I always say my name is Joe Powell, and I'm a young person in long term recovery. And what that means is that I haven't had a drink of alcohol in 33 years, but I haven't used any opiates or other drugs since January of 1973. And it's only because of recovery that I'm able to be a husband and a father and a lifelong learner and a servant leader, yes. and the president and CEO of APA, the Association of Persons Affected by Addiction, in Dallas now for 24 years. Mm-hmm. And that really ties into where we are today in this country, even with substance use disorders or addictions, mm-hmm. right? And when the government, the federal government, SAMHSA, the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, Dr. Wesley Clark, he took over for the Center for Substance Abuse Treatment okay. in the country. And when he saw the data in the United States, and this was in 1998, mm-hmm. 24 years ago, right. and the data showed that only 10% of the country is going to treatment for addictions. Mm-hmm. So 90% of the country is hurting themselves, their families, and the communities. Yes. right. Yes. And so that's when he said, well, don't people recover from addictions? And alcoholism, uh, where are the people at? We need them at the table. Let's bring people who have recovered right. from addiction to the table. Right. And, of course, uh, myself I had already been in recovery for nine years. But the uh, we, we we gathered uh, a bunch of us that was in recovery. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we actually wrote the grant. Uh, it was a RFP, Request for Proposal, that they sent out, CSAT.
1: Center. Okay, so, so you were a part of the original grant.
2: Oh, yeah, oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that grant there, I mean, that was the one, there was 20 of us in the United States that received those grants. Mm-hmm. And Apple was one of the, the only one in Texas okay. that received the grant. And so we was able to go to Washington, D.C. with other people in recovery from all over the country mm-hmm. and talk about how do we recover? What is the recovery support? What is that? What do we need? How do you advocate? How do we change the message and the stigma mm-hmm. in the country? But guess what? Here we are 24 years ago, and you asked about the current landscape. Yes, (laughs) yes. And it's worse, of course. Of course, the country has been through a lot, but right. f- because of the COVID and, and the racial injustice okay. and the inequities that we, uh, the pandemics that we've 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 got going on now, all over the world, but in the distress, you're right, from all that, have increased mm-hmm. with addiction. Addiction has increased. Mental health challenges have increased because of all of the stress and the traumas and the dramas that that the country is going through. So right now, it's less than six percent. Oh, wow. Here we are 24 years ago, and we have gotten worse yeah. when it comes to um, addiction in, in the country. So that's where, I mean, we are right now. And as far as uh, opiate use, right, mm-hmm. African-Americans is right now the highest in overdoses, oh, 42%. Yeah, it was, remember, when we started the pandemic back when uh President, former President Obama mm-hmm. was was in office, um, and the drug czar was Mike Botticelli, a yes. good friend of mine. And he, uh, he was able, him and uh, the former president was able to get the funding for the pandemic, but that was mainly for white overdoses. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was the highest in the country. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, of course, the last three years, over 100,000 people died from overdose each year. Gosh. Each year, that's, we've, that's we have right. over 100,000 people. And now, African Americans, Latinos, is higher than our white population. Yeah. In terms so, of percentage. In as far as percentage. Yeah, in terms yes, of percentage, yes, 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 not as yes. many people as... All right, yeah. right, right. So there's a, still a whole lot of work. When it comes to addiction, and remember that addiction, the definition of addiction, is a pathological relationship with any mood-altering substance, mm-hmm. relationships, or behaviors right, that causes life consequences. Oh, okay. Yes, and those consequences can be, we know it's primary in the bottle with in the body, and it's mm-hmm. also uh, progressive, and it's chronic, and it's fatal. Yeah. So, um, and my father died from alcoholism.
1: So, oh, he did. Yes. I apologize for hearing that. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, that's, it's unfortunate because we have so many resources in this country that we always tout, but still we have not, had the best um, solutions for primary health care for specialty health care for hospitalizations and hospital emergency room visits and then even with uh, alcoholism and uh, addiction different forms of addictions we we haven't figured out the best solution but it sounds to me like your company your organization has come up with some good solutions too that we'll talk about a little bit later so you talked about how it's affecting us from a you know United States point of view. But let's talk a little bit about uh, APAA, APA. What is your mission, your purpose? uh, What are you all really doing, and what are you designing to do for those who walk through your doors, who call to find out how you can help them? What are you all doing on a regular basis?
2: Great, great. Thank you for the opportunity to talk about APA. And yes, APA is a recovery community organization is what, who we are. <clears throat> a lot of people don't know what that is. Mm-hmm. And that's a, a RCO, is the, uh, the acronym, but a recovery community organization that actually provides recovery support services. So our mission is to educate all segments of the community okay. about addiction and mental health recovery.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, not the problem. You know, but the solution as far as recovery support and services, right? So all of our supports and services fall under, you know, uh, information support, emotional support, Mm -hmm. instrumental support. And the biggest, one of the biggest is, of course, is affiliation support or companionship support. So who do I hang out with? I hang out with people like me, right? And that means people that are in recovery. Mm -hmm. And, of course, we've had... You know, all, all the way from congressmen, doctors, it doesn't, you know, addiction does not discriminate mm-hmm. right, against yeah. anyone.
0: Right.
2: So, <clears throat> so recovery, our organization is geared toward providing supports. And how do you do that? So we do that, and like I said, in those four different support areas because mm-hmm. instrumental support is even provide resources like jobs and housing. What's instrumental for a person to have mm-hmm. for them to really to move toward recovery okay. or to get on a path? Okay. The thing is is that people, we are so disconnected, and we don't know how to prioritize health mm-hmm. in our bodies, mm-hmm. right, in our mind. And we disconnect because of a lot of trauma and drama. Uh, which,
1: so, so before you go, go for. I, I want to break it down even a little bit further okay. because I understand you have different forms of services. Right. But if I called and said, my cousin, right. um, we just found him on the street and he was had OD'd. Mm. Um, he had overdosed on something and we don't know what it is and we got him to the hospital. Now they're releasing him. They're just right. sending him right. home to us. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, I know somebody. Uh, matter of fact, I know somebody who owns a, rec- a recovery place. Right, right, what right. can I do for my cousin? If right, I said right. my cousin's here, he's right. ready to, to get some help, right. walk me through what he, what you all are going to do for him. What, how does he go through this? Because when you say recovery,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I'm thinking that you're recovered and that's it. But you're talking as if this is a regular process, maybe a daily process, forever. It is. Okay, so if yes. my cousin's getting ready to come into your your organization, walk through uh, your doors. Yeah. What do you all do for him? How, right. do, you, how, do, you, how do you take him and okay. help him okay, if he really wants be- to be helped?
2: Well, that's the key, what he you does. just said. You he just said wants that he wants he to wants be helped. helped. He
1: does not want to be left right. on the side of the street ever right. again. Right.
2: Right. right there, we are, like, way advanced right now in really supporting him and giving him the help that he needs. One is definitely we we, we have a couple of things going on at Apple, right? One is especially if he walked through the doors. Okay. Okay, and if he just stopped using or if he just came out of an overdose, mm-hmm. right, then he might need to see our OSAR. We do have, Which is what? Outreach, screening, assessment, and referral. Okay. So that these are just two counselors that I let the North Texas Behavioral Health Authority put at Apple. They asked me. They called me. Said, Joe, do you want a couple of licensed counselors there? Okay. Right. Just for. Treatment To get Mm -hmm. someone into treatment because right now in the state of Texas with Health and Human Services, they have these OSAWs, that's their acronym for outreach screening and assessment referral. Okay, they have these OSAW counselors all over. So APA has two there, Mm -hmm. right? That can we get someone into treatment if they need it.
1: So So, my cousin comes in and he he says, I "I really, I I need somebody to help me because I I can't do this by myself. Right.
2: right. And the first one he's going to really need is a peer just like him. Oh. So that's the first person. It won't be a clinical person. It mm-hmm. won't be someone that he will disconnect. We're going to actually uh, meet a peer that's going to greet him with recovery. There's a We have a video that we show what is a recovery community organization, mm-hmm. uh, which is all about Wellness and recovery, so we want to connect them first to another person that have lived experience like him. Okay. Right? Okay. And then we'll sit down with him, and then there's some paperwork, or either there's a kiosk that he can uh, do. But we we'll probably sit down with him mm-hmm. um, and make sure that we get you know, be I mean, the paperwork done. So that way, and then ask him a couple of questions, and then if we see that wow, he just stopped using yesterday or mm-hmm. recently, right? Mm-hmm. Then he may need treatment. I think before he really start his path of recovery okay but right. you have a
1: connection with dallas health behavioral health so- association or authority yes yeah yeah yeah. and yes, you'll yes. connect him with them
2: right right well um, we connect him with the osar right there at the, at apple okay. so they have two or i have two offices there for mm-hmm. them so he'll meet a licensed counselor that will provide the treatment because he said he's here, ready then he's ready. right then wow then he's already on the way then they, then they, that would be great for us to really cuz you know when they are ready you got to act Immediately. Right. So we have to put him in the treatment uh, that's available in Mm -hmm. close by or somewhere. It could be anywhere in the United States, because the thing is is that we want him to get treatment. We want him to get well. Right. So treatment is a way to go right there. Now Mm -hmm. it might be treatment can go anywhere from two weeks to nine months. Okay. You know. But he goes through the treatment (laughs) first. Yes. Because he has
1: already said, I want to get help. Right. And he just recently stopped. Right. So you're trying to catch him while he's while he's stopped and hopefully while he's, he's saying, yeah, while he's while, ready. While That's he's right. ready, right, yeah. right.
2: Because the brain has to be ready, uh-huh. you know, at least, and it's only a short period because uh, any stress can change the brain. Because mm-hmm. uh, remember that, any as far as addiction goes, anytime a person feel, because remember, all drugs and addiction is about his pleasure. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Okay. I don't That's have a good to point. feel mad, sad, or scared. Anytime I get, even today with 33 years of recovery, mm-hmm. well, When I feel mad, sad, or scared, to me, that's a mental health challenge right there, Mm -hmm. right? But you know what my brain says? My brain says, you know what to do. You ain't got to never feel like Mm -hmm. that. Still, after 33 years, my brain still says, you know what to do. You know what I mean? Because it's all about feeling pleasure. Now, my pleasure, I have many healthy pleasures today that I go to other than that and support. But that's what we do as far as effort. We connect people, right, to Mm -hmm. some healthy pleasures and people around them that's healthy but also been there where Mm -hmm. they are, can relate to them. Have that
1: relationship, Yes, can Mm -hmm. can connect to them. And trust what they're trying to guide them through. Right, Mm -hmm. right,
2: right. So your story, Mm -hmm. and they feel safe and trusting as far as telling someone. Did they you know what I mean the whole story, and what is it they really going through because a lot of you know with addiction and mental health, we don't talk, and that's uh really in the country because of traumas and dramas we don't really talk well mm-hmm. unless we have someone that we can connect with or check mm-hmm. things out with
1: that mm-hmm. that is a good point, even in that in this topic, it's the same as general health care yes. yes people if they're if they're afraid to go to the doctor because they're afraid for other results or whatever it may be or just don't know what, what to expect when they develop that relationship with that, that provider mm-hmm. is when they start feeling more comfortable yes. telling more about the story. Yeah. So they, they'll go through, if they're going through treatment, then let's say they've gone through and made it that far. Is there anything else, they, even if it's nine months, is yes. there anything else that that person does with? with or that APA helps them?
2: Yes, do? yes, Yeah. Yeah. Matter of fact, while they in treatment, We actually work with them in there, too, and we start educating them on recovery. They get a recovery coach Mm -hmm. while they entry. Oh, okay. Because yeah, we have to connect them. So I have right now forty-two staff. Mm-hmm. That's all peer-certified peers. So we're trainer.
1: I remember when we first met, <laughs> you just had a few staff members. Now you've that's got right. a, you've got an entire. group.
2: oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Group.
1: That's that's wonderful.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. And the way the country is going, and uh, we might end up with hundred yeah, real soon. Yeah, that's you right. Know, as I'll be praying on that. As, yeah. Yes, thank you. So yeah, so but we want to stay with them because we call ourselves traveling companions. Oh, okay. So we want to be that traveling companion with them. through throughout their, especially their early years of recovery, mm-hmm. right? And the state pays us, matter of fact, that we can hold on to them up to five years oh, in that's, their recovery. Oh,
1: that's wonderful. I would imagine it would take quite some time. If they've been in this condition for some time, it's going to take at least that amount of time to, to go through it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Then they they have the coaches. They have yeah. their peers with them. Right. What else What else are you doing with them or for them so that they can continue to stay on the right path?
2: Well, we walk with them out mm-hmm. from the treatment. So we do actually, uh, just like the living room, we have another place that we work with uh, the North Texas Behavioral Health Authority in South Dallas mm-hmm. called the Dr. Louis E. Deal Behavioral Health Complex. Okay. And in the uh, Louis Deer Behavioral Health Complex, there's the living room. And the living room is a concept where we have APA peers there, and we, and we have four clinical, okay. clinicians there, right? And mm-hmm. so we do jail diversion and uh, hospital diversion. So that means that we actually pick people up from jail and pick people up from the hospital, because we know that people don't need to be in jail for they're sick for being ill. Okay. You know, so. if I have an illness like addiction that kills you know, yeah. and now I'm in our jail or I'm in the hospital, right? We want to make sure that we walk people out of the jail and the hospitals. And we just got a, matter of fact, a new contract with the district attorney. Uh, just signed, just started with last month, okay. uh, right, to really to support people with medication-assisted treatment. And so
1: recovery. so then you, you walk them out and you're taking them to your place, to, yes. the, to the living room?
2: Yeah. No, yeah, with a living room, yeah, it's where they come for the jail diversion, hospital diversion over there, right, at that program. So, yeah, definitely uh, we take them to the living room. So, we have coaches over there, they have uh, benefits counselors over Mm -hmm. there, right, and make sure that how could we support them there. Now, now that's a crisis place, though. We don't, again, that's not what APA is about. APA Mm -hmm. is about long term recovery.
1: Okay, I'm glad you made that distinction. Right, right, right.
2: Yeah, you know, there's many areas of crisis, right, and there's many program settings mm-hmm. that we are in. But definitely, uh, we believe for everyone, you know, is to get them on a the path for long term recovery. Okay,
1: Okay. well you know what, we're going to go to a break okay. for right now, and then we'll come back a little bit later. You have been listening to Healthcare Chat with Joyce Tapley, with my special, phenomenal guest, the Joe Powell, licensed cl- uh, clinical dependent counselor and owner of APA. Sisters with a PhD is a community service organization starting with mentoring women of color, black women, brown women who have the desire to earn the PhD. We work with women who also desire to earn EDDs and other doctoral degrees. I want to see this organization stand strong and build pockets of hope, build pockets of interest, and build pockets of communication.
2: If you are a woman of color involved in a doctoral program or considering a doctoral program or you need a shoulder to lean on during this journey. Contact us, we can help.
0: Inspire Art Dallas uses advocacy, fundraising, and public events to encourage the flourishing of the City of Dallas Public Art Program and to enrich public art experiences for residents and visitors to the City of Dallas. I'm Kay Callos, Public Art Program Manager for the City of Dallas Office of Arts and Culture.
1: Welcome back. You are listening to Healthcare Chat with Joyce Tapley and I have a special guest, Joe Powell, the President and CEO of APA. So do you have some time now to talk about yourself personally? I mean, you're you're from Harlem, you're a musician, Tell us what you went through and how you got through the addiction when you say in your recovery, going through recovery. How did you make it?
2: Yes, yes. Or have you made it? I made, okay. I made it. I'm here okay. now. All right. <laughs> so, I got a long way to go. Yeah. But, uh, but could you
1: just share, share yes. your story, please? Yes. Thank yes, you. Yes. You know,
2: and, and it really starts with my father uh, because my father was an entertainer.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, on stage, him and uh, two other guys called mm-hmm. Hat Cane and Trey. Oh, okay. So they actually tw- wore top hats and tuxedos and twirled a cane and uh-huh. twirled a tray and jumped over chairs and, and dive into splits and mm-hmm. card. Wills. So those three uh, for many years danced um, on stage and all over the all over the world. Uh, but his my mother, the first three children out of seven boys and one girl. Oh, okay. But the first three that was uh that was birth was the uh, the Powell brothers. And we was entertainers on stage. So uh, I always say that as soon as I came out of my mother's womb I said showtime <laughs> 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 you know because because I was on television at four years old oh, in wow. New York City okay. so it was so I, that means I was you know practice yes. is, you know, makes my dad just say he was you know of course we were practicing every day mm-hmm. so at four years old the Ted and Mac Mack amateur hour show in 1955 uh, wait a
1: minute wait a minute <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were born in the '60s, so no. I didn't realize. Okay, all right. I guess, I guess, I guess you are a little bit older than me.
2: Then 1951, <laughs> right? So, uh, but yeah, 1955 mm-hmm. on black and white television, you know. And uh, yes, we was on uh, the Ted Mac Amateur. We was on there three times in '55, '57, and '59. But uh, but Ebony Magazine uh, yeah. caught mm-hmm. us um, and those... Those were, you know what I mean, the, the Ebony magazine that really put, made us fame. And it had a big three pages on the Powell Brothers, that oh, the Powell wow. Brothers make early fame, mm-hmm. right? And uh, so, but that took off. But my, my dad was an alcoholic. Okay. So you know what, what what you saw on television, or what you saw on stage, or what you saw even outside, mm-hmm. was not what was going on on the inside, what was going on in the house, mm-hmm. right? And of course, the trauma of you know what I mean, living with an alcoholic father, that was pretty serious there. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we, right now there's uh, what we call the Aces, which stands for. Adverse adverse childhood experiences. Mm-hmm. And those are traumas that happen to a person from birth to 18 years old. Okay. Right. Yes. And one of the questions, there's only 10 questions on ACES. Mm-hmm. But one of the questions is, have you ever seen your mother get hit? Not your dad, but your mother get mm-hmm. hit. And so to grow up with that that right there caused a lot of challenges as far as mental health yeah. and addiction and everything yeah. else. Uh, but all the rest of the traumas, too, you know, from having mm-hmm. an alcoholic father. Mm-hmm. But we were still was on stage. Now, the safest place and the free place space for me was while I was on stage. When we was entertaining with my two brothers and Mm my dad, that was the safest place for me, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. Because we was entertaining and people was clapping and laughing and we was having fun on the stage, you know. But when we came off and went home, you know, then it was a different story. Mm-hmm. My dad started to drink. So, you know, the learning started early. What well, we say what we learn, we practice, and what we practice, we become. Yes. So I learned early what is uh, alcohol. And then we started uh, dancing at nightclubs. So what is a little kid doing at a nightclub? Yeah. Showtime don't start till midnight, right? right? Oh, so wow. a lot of that kind of trauma that was going on, even though it was I'm thinking it was fun, some of that I was mm-hmm. able. But I also at the nightclub is where I picked up my first drink of alcohol at 10 years old. Hmm. right. And that right there kind of cut a path. Of pleasure in my brain, mm-hmm. to where at thirteen I was I was drinking more, you know, mm-hmm. you know going through school. But we were still on television. I mean, we were still you know I mean entertaining. Uh, I remember at uh, Madison Square Garden at Harvest Moon Ball three years. Uh, the first year was Michael Jackson and Jackson Five was mm-hmm. the guest speaker with, uh, and then the second year was Temptations, and then third was uh, Gladys Knight mm-hmm. with Frank Sinatra. It was always, uh, you know, the Frank Sinatra. To the big act, and then it was a Motown group, and then it was the dancers, right? Okay. And we danced in the Harvest Moon Ball, but so anyway, yeah. But I think the alcohol led to other drugs too, mm-hmm. you know, to medicate because I was medicating the pain, the shame, the trauma, and drama. And uh, and even though I was able to finish high school, mm-hmm. right, but by then I had was also using some opiates myself. Okay. right? and uh, I saw on television I couldn't stop. It wasn't in in and this was in the sixties now, yes. right? And in the early sixties, uh, Harlem was flooded with opiates. Harlem was front flooded with heroin. By design. Oh yeah, by design. And we uh, and I saw on t- and I couldn't stop. It wasn't no treatment programs around, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, there was a Phoenix House that I did. Go to for a minute, you know, but that therapeutic community didn't work for me. Uh-huh. Uh, but I saw on television today was dying in Vietnam from heroin, and that was did uh, uh, my drug of choice. And I said, Oh, okay, so this is my way out. I'm either going to to die. This was a suicide mission, mm-hmm. right? I said, I'm either going to shoot up some dope and die, or I'm gonna get shot with bullets and die. Hmm. But this was so I enlisted to go to Vietnam, and. And uh, God said, Nah, you ain't ain't getting away that early. You haven't Mm -hmm. even done the podcast yet. Podcast with Joyce Tapley. You you got a while ago here. So
1: so, uh. I didn't pay him to say that, I promise you. (laughs) <laughs> but,
2: but I was able to, you know, to be to, to go through the military and they come mm-hmm. out. Uh, when I remember when they, uh, my orders was Vietnam, but I remember them knocking on the, on the barracks and, and they coming to me and saying, hey, uh, good news, you're not going to Vietnam, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but you are going to treatment and for your addiction, you know. Because wow. I had came back with a dirty UA. Uh-huh. You know, they send yeah. you home first before they send you to war mm-hmm. in Vietnam. They send you home for 30 days. And mm-hmm. I went home and, smoked up, drinked up, shot up everything I could, and then came back and got a dirty UA. Uh-huh. And that was uh, another guy. That was it. Yeah, that was it. You know, God stepped in again. Mm-hmm. Saying, okay, well, look, you're going to finish out with treatment. And I ended up working in the treatment in there, the military and uh, finishing up my two years. And then when I got out, I went back to New York for a minute and got in the program. And they said, in the program, they said, anybody want to go to Waco, Texas to take any trade that you want to take? And I said, "Hurry up and raise my hand. I got to get out of New York. Oh, you know what I mean? But I but Harlem. It was just so great. I mean, when today, when I think about all of the the resources and the strengths of the community, you know, seeing Malcolm X every almost every day on the corner, on mm-hmm. 125th Street and Lennox Avenue, you know, you got to walk past, and then he's preaching every day, you know. And of course, I was baptized by Adam Clayton Powell. Oh. Uh, who you know was a congressman yeah. but also he was the the pastor you know I mean after his, after his father okay. at Abyssinia Church in huh. Harlem which was at that time the largest you know African American church in the mm-hmm. country uh, but all of that you know coming through Harlem and tap you know entertaining mm-hmm. and then with the basketball players I mean you know all of those hanging out with the goat and everybody you know but anyway uh so yeah, I ended up in Texas in nineteen. So how did I get there? I ended up buying me some methadone on the street, and and I got on. They gave us plane fare to go to Waco to school mm-hmm. to college, and I bought me two tabs of methadone, and we had a Greyhound bus and detox myself. It took two days to get to Waco from Harlem from New York City, on a local bus, ah. and then that was my detox and stopped using. Opium. I haven't used since then, of January wow. nineteen seventy three. Uh, but I drank, continued to drink, to nineteen eighty eight. And okay. nineteen eighty eight is when mm-hmm. I met uh, a young lady that took me. Said, "Hey, you know, I noticed you. You know, you drink a lot. <laughs> you know, and because uh, I'm out partying. Uh-huh. And uh, but she was in recovery, and she took me to a church that had an AA meeting, yeah. and that's where I met uh, Doctor Lewis E. Deer. Um, And he uh, is—he was the guy. So anyway, when I go into the meeting, he said, "Well, you got to get a sponsor in here." I said, "A sponsor? What's that?" They said, "Oh, don't worry about it. Just ask that old dude over there, and ask that old dude over there, not knowing anything about him." Right? And he said, okay, yeah, he said, I'll be your sponsor. You got to call me every day. Call you every day. I haven't called God or my mom every day. <laughs> every day. Nobody, you know. So he said, you got to call me every day. We're going to work the step. We're going to read the book. You know, we're going to work these, you know what I mean? Go through the program, go to meetings and all that. He said, but call me at these two hospitals and then call me because we didn't have cell phones then. He said, call right. me on my right. pager. Call me at these two hospitals and then you can call me at home. Right? And uh, so, of course, he scared me to death. Now the PTSD is swarming, I'm I'm afraid, because he said, call him at these two hospitals. Mm -hmm. I don't want, you know, when you're trying to get sober, the last person you're going to go to is the doctor. Yes. (laughs) And that's for almost any chronic illness, right? Uh, We just, you know, are help-seeking. But anyway... uh, so on the way out, I said, "Who's this guy? This accident?" I, I said, "Oh, that's Doctor Dill. He's a psychiatrist." Oh no, not a psychiatrist! Uh, I ran and got me a drink and got drunk. It took me a <laughs> 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 took me a couple of weeks, you know, to me to surrender uh, total and said, "All right, God, all right, I'm a, I'm gonna call I hear you. And that right. was October the eighth, nineteen eighty-eight, and mm-hmm. I hadn't picked up a drink since then.
1: Thank you so much for sharing that. Is there anything else, or what what else would you like to say before we end our our show today? Anything you'd like to share that you hadn't had a chance to talk about?
2: Well, I, I think that um, one is, you know, as uh African American community, that we still uh, move toward because of the young people. The young people are not dropping the mic. I'm telling the young people, don't drop the mic. That's mm-hmm. also was T.D. Jake's last uh, book, uh, Don't Drop the Mic. But also, uh, Martin Luther King said, where do we go from here? Chaos or community? That was his last book. Martin Luther King. And so community is huge. Um, And I think that uh, I got uh, a new project that I am working on, and it's about uh, courageous conversations. health equity conversations with Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, uh, University of North Texas, the Addiction Technology Transfer Mm Center, and Concord Church. And we're going to be doing conversations to one with uh, peers, mm-hmm. uh, with lived experience, and the other one would be with stakeholders, community stakeholders, okay. Right, But the thing is, is how have, the question is nobody have ever asked, you know what I mean, has racism been a barrier of your recovery or to your recovery,
0: mm-hmm.
2: right? And that's something that, because we don't talk about it, right, then it's in our bodies and it's just been settling, it's mm-hmm. just there. Yes. and. Um, so one of the things that, I, that I've learned um, as far as uh, post-traumatic slave syndrome, mm-hmm. which is a book that's written by uh, Dr. De- Joy DeGruy, and I went through her class. Is that how everybody in the country, you know, no matter what color, what ethnic group, whatever, still this, you know, I mean, have this post-traumatic slave syndrome, right? Which is, gets into our esteem, our our anger, right, and right. then how we socialize, we this racialized socialization yes. that we do. So anyway, so our community, I just want us and everybody to know that, uh, yeah, that we're going to be also at least have a safe space to even. To say, to talk about that, so uh, we started a group called Living While Black, mm-hmm. and the only reason why I started that support group is because of the Aces. Because out of all ten traumas, the one trauma that wasn't on there was Being Living Black. While Black. That's right. So I started a support group for that, and mm-hmm. we actually for the community and for peers, just to come in and talk about, it. and even counselors. You know I me. Mean? I mean, I'm on the NatAC Di. I'm on a bunch of Nate DEI, mm-hmm. Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion yes. stuff, yes. all over the country. Yeah. And because nobody has never talked about the right. barrier right. of health, wellness, That's, and recovery.
1: That, that is true, that is true. So make sure that you keep me informed, too, because I certainly would like to either attend or Great. send some representation, because um, we need to be a part of that discussion, too, because uh, the ethnic divide is not just with, uh, with um, chemical dependency, it's with general health care, it's with housing, it's with transportation, it's with education. Yes, it's with all of that.
0: Yes, yes.
1: So um, and we need to help bridge that gap. And and the more we can prepare our younger kids and, and our younger youth and our you know next generations is we've got to try to fix a few more things before it's time for them to take over. That's right. Even though I know that they're gonna work on the right track. So thank you so much. I am I'm so honored again that you have been on the healthcare chat with Joyce Tapley, Mr. Joe Powell with APA. Um, I hope that that you continue to do the great things you're doing. And since you listened to the Lord some time ago, I'm sure he's got a few more things in store for you. So keep up the great word, brother. Uh, I'm, I'm very happy. And thank you again.
2: You're welcome. You're welcome. All right. Thank well,
1: you. this is the end of the the greatest episode of Healthcare Chat with Joyce Tapley with Joe Powell. And I just want to say thank you, everyone, for listening. And that concludes another installment of Healthcare Chat. For all upcoming and previous episodes, look for us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hit the subscribe button and you'll always be notified when a new podcast is published. Until next time, Thank you again for listening to Healthcare Chat with Joyce Tapley.